Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. This week on the show, Luke Kappa, Sam Shaheen, and I argue about the new Vocal Mantra 102 and how it compares to the Vocal M5 Mantra. Then we discuss, with quite a bit more civility, the new Line Vision 98, the Dalbello Lupo Pro HD Ski Boot, Camp Nano 22 versus Orbit Wire Carabiners, and then we wrap up with several extremely random reviews. And once you're done with this episode and my yelling at Sam, you should be sure to go check out this week's episodes of the Blister Podcast and our Bikes and Big Ideas Podcast. We've got really interesting conversations happening on both of those platforms, so if you haven't already, go subscribe to the Blister Podcast and to our Bikes and Big Ideas Podcast, and of course, don't forget to subscribe to Gear 30. And speaking of Gear 30, this episode of Gear 30 is presented by Tribe Alpha. Tribe Alpha is great e-commerce for the great outdoors and can help you improve the performance of your e-commerce site. With more than 25 years of web experience, Tribe Alpha has a long and successful history working with retailers in the outdoor industry and will help you grow your e-commerce business. Furthermore, Gear 30 listeners get a special discount. Just visit tribealpha.com gear to receive a 10% discount off their standard pricing. That's tribealpha.com gear. And with that, let's get to my conversation with Sam and Luke. Well, 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 Sam and Luke, fancy to be talking to the two of you once again. <laughs> The pleasure's all ours. Yep. <laughs> that, that is true, actually, because the pleasure is none of mine. But we are here to uh, do a kind of an emergency roundtable, you know, since we were, I mean, it, I think ultimately it proved to be a healthy conversation and discussion, though there were moments of intense disagreement and cursing and calling people who we won't name right now stupid. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, this this vocal mantra 102 which interestingly is a ski that all three of us really like, but we were just sort of describing it differently. And so it was like, okay, you know, I think where we ended up in our review, I'm quite happy with where we got, but it took some work and some doing. And so anyway, it was like, you know what, we should definitely talk about this ski one. Cause it's good. It's interesting. And, um, I think we can do some good work in terms of helping clarify for some folks what is going on with it. So to that end, why don't we start with Mr. Controversial himself, um, <laughs> Sam Shaheen. Talk to me about the 184 centimeter vocal mantra 102. First of all, I do think it's real important, like you said, to underscore the fact that we all really like this ski, myself yeah. included. I really like this ski. And I think where a lot of the controversy surrounding this ski comes up at least between the three of us, in, is in this word to describe it quick. Um, <laughs> that would be the word. And I yeah. think pretty much all of us agree on exactly how quick the ski is. 
<laughs> but two of us are smart enough to not use the word quick repeatedly in a review of the ski. But the important thing that I want everyone to understand <laughs> is that in terms of skis that are this heavy and this long and this stiff, the M102 has a good amount of rebound and energy when you push it, just like the M5 does, the skinnier mantra, which makes the ski, which makes the ski feel quicker than its length and weight would suggest. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I, I think I do agree. And it's just, I think the issue is that it's like, we're talking about this kind of relatively small class of skis now that are this heavy and this stiff and like with this traditional of mount points. Um, so the kind of emphasizing the context in which we're talking about it, I think is really important. And that's what <laughs> we spent a lot of time arguing and rephrasing the review uh, right before we published it. And trying to coax out of Sam, basically. Yeah. It was like conjuring a dead spirit from the past or something, but <laughs> we got it eventually. Well, so like, I, I think the comparison with the Enforcer 104 Free is a good one to make because that ski is also similarly similar in length, similar in width, a touch heavier even if I'm right, Luke? Uh, I think they are very close. Very, very close. When I skied that Enforcer 104 Free, it did not feel like it had that same amount of energy when you push it as the M2 does. I feel like the, or the M102 rather. I feel like the M102 is quicker than the Enforcer 104 Free. Would you agree with that? Hell no. Yeah, I think it, it, it just depends on what you're talking about. Like the Enforcer, I thought was, I would call it quicker than the Mantra. I think mostly because it has more rocker and its mount point is, I think, like three centimeters more forward. Um, so neither ski felt very, I, I wouldn't call either ski quick in general terms. But I think to me, the Enforcer 104 felt quicker, whereas the Mantra felt a bit more sluggish, but also significantly more stable. Yeah, and I would like to say, Luke, that the reason you would not call the Mantra 102 quicker than the Enforcer 104 free is because you're not an insane person. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would call the Mantra a bit more energetic when you're really bending it, but I think that's the only kind of area where I would say where it might produce a quick feeling. <laughs> yeah. My God. <sighs> um, yeah. I mean, what I would say about those two skis, and again, those are, these are two skis we really like. Um, mm -hmm. The Enforcer 104 Free requires less physical input. It, yeah, I agree. Its shovels are not nearly as stiff. And now I'm just mostly being mean to Sam now because I'm <laughs> mad at him. But uh, its shovels are not as stiff. It is definitely easier to bend into a turn at slower speeds. Um, by every single measure, normal people or smart people would call the Enforcer 104 a quicker ski. <laughs> you have to do this weird convoluted thing to get to the point where you're like, yep, the 102 is quicker than the Enforcer okay, well, 104. Okay, so 
what what I hear when you describe the 104 like that, it sounds like you're saying the ski is easier, which yes. I 100% agree. The 104 yeah. free is easier than the Montreux 102 in probably every single way in similar lengths. Yep. But, and I, I guess, <laughs> I guess, I'm just going to dig myself a deeper hole here. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> C- commence me swearing in 10, <laughs> 9. No, go ahead. I can't wait. I I guess what I'm saying or the point that I'm trying to make is that when I'm pushing both of the skis, the M102 feels more energetic and not actually lighter, but because of that energy, lighter underfoot and quicker than the Enforcer 104 Free, where I feel like with that ski, like I kind of talked about on the podcast before, this I like this, the 104 Free, less than both of you guys. And that ski kind of... Mm -hmm felt a little dead to me and mm-hmm. because of that i think the 102 i think that's why i'm feeling that the 102 feel, is a bit quicker yeah jonathan <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah i this still just seems like weird gymnastics to get there um and i think that and i mean look actually i'm proud that we're having this conversation because frankly if we worked for some other ski media publications we just would have not had this debate whatsoever and probably we would have let sam use the word quicker in the first sentence and that would have been that and um zipper line ski ever right (laughs) right so in the nicest thing i'm going to say to you sam probably in this whole conversation i think it is an interesting point it's just a really nuanced one that you're making i definitely did not think of the Enforcer 104 as some dead ski, I did think that it's for a lot of people going to be a ski that is they're going to be able to get along with, that isn't that taxing, that still offers pretty decent stability. Um, I mean, there's going to be comp skiers on that ski slaying on the Enforcer 104 free. Like, you know, we talk about kind of the inherent stability of the ski, and we constantly see incredibly impressive comp skiers doing work on skis that actually aren't all that stiff, right? Like, we're way past an age where comp ski is just synonymous with stiff, heavy charger, right? Mm-hmm. I think that the important thing for the vast majority of people to be understanding. And I actually think this is a really cool thing that Vocal did with the mantras because it's becoming increasingly rare to see heavier, stable skis that will really hold up. And um, this is why I think in my portion of our Mantra 102 review, I really wanted to just emphasize the length. I don't think it's safe here to be generalizing out about the Mantra 102 uh, across all lengths, I, I think we really are specifically talking about this 184. I expect the 177 to feel quite a bit different, but with respect to other 184 skis out on the market, and in this case, we're talking specifically about the Enforcer 104, it's just more ski. And if you're a person, a strong skier, and you're able to get into that and access that higher end, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Um, and again, like, you know, 
Sam weighs like 145 pounds. Luke is at like 155. I'm at 175. There's a lot, you know, there's bigger, stronger folks out there. We all really like this 184. I just started getting worried with all Sam's talk of quickness that people are like, sick, I'm going to get the 184 to go ski a bunch of moguls all day long at my mountain, home mountain that doesn't have a lot of vertical or <laughs> my mountain that has really, really long bump lines. It's like, cool, you're going to be exhausted in three runs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, the, the thing that stood out for me with that ski, well, one, it was just like immediately apparent that it is a very stable ski, unlike most skis I've been on this year. Um, it definitely stood out there. But it was also surprisingly easy to get along with, um, which I have not found with some similarly stiff skis. Um, and it was just like, it had a big sweet spot. I didn't have to be driving the shovels super hard at all times. Um, but I could still ski, like, I think in my flash review, I was like, there was never a point where I was doubting the ability of the ski. I got up to speeds and in conditions where I was doubting myself before I thought the ski was going to start getting weird on me. I, I was doubting you too, often. Luke, watching you <laughs> ski that day. <laughs> yeah, I was going very fast through like a giant open bowl with cornice fall everywhere. And you couldn't really tell what was soft and what was firm. Huge, just like chunks of ice like basketball size chunks of course fall littering the run and luke is just like going 50 miles an hour <laughs> it was really fun <laughs> so another thing about the mantra 102 that i wanted to bring up was and again we touched on this in our review but sam keeps talking about how much this mantra 102 reminds him of the mantra m5 and I just, I was like, yeah, no, that it doesn't remind me. Like these two skis do not remind me of each other. And then a big thing is we reviewed and have skied the Mantra 102 and a 184. We've only skied the Mantra M5 and a 177. And to me, these two skis in their respective lengths just did not. We talk a lot, family resemblance is a term we use a lot. Uh, when we're talking about certain skis and certainly if we're talking about, say, a Nordic Enforcer 100 versus a Nordic Enforcer 104 or whatever, I'm not sure I even would have thought of these two skis. Having been on the 184 Mantra 102, if you would have said, what ski does this remind you of? The 177 Mantra M5 would not have been in my top 10. See, now, what do you think if we got... a oh, Mantra 102 in a 177 and put it against the M5 in a 177. Do you think they would still feel very different? I, I don't know. I mean, we haven't skied it. And I think that, so this was also part of my frustration with Sam was making these claims when, and, and the biggest reason, because sometimes I do feel like, I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes I feel like I can with more confidence speak to the performance of a ski that maybe I haven't been on a longer length or a shorter length. In this case, I think the biggest thing for me, and this was one of my concerns about the 177 Mantra M5, which I think is an outstanding ski, but my whole thing with that ski is 
I'm not sure that in like big mountain settings that I would want to be on a ski that felt like it had as much side cut as a 177 centimeter Mantra M5 has. And I did not have that feeling at all on a 184 centimeter Mantra 102. I never felt like I was going to be in kind of a steep technical situation because I don't like this in steep technical situations where I'm on a ski where I feel like I'm going to be pulled into a turn harder than I want to be. And that is honestly the very specific kind of scenario or sensation in a ski that I can't make the jump. I don't, I just don't know. I don't know that going to a 184 Mantra M5 gives up that, you know, quicker turn or shorter side cut length. And, and hence my reluctance to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they'd feel real similar if you just got on both on a 184 or both on a 177. Mm-hmm. See, and I, I guess for me, that idea of being pulled harder into a turn, I, that doesn't really, that's not something that I really think about. It doesn't maybe affect me. Maybe it's a skiing style thing. For me, the reason why the two skis feel so similar is because of the, mostly the stance. It's a real directional ski with a real traditional mount point that you could drive it really hard, but also stay neutral. And we don't, we don't get that feeling. And when I got on the M102, it was just like, it clicked instantly. And I was like, I can stand on the ski the exact way I would ski on the M, I would stand on the M5. And I did just pull up the side cut radius actually. So a Mantra M5 in a 177 vocal claims a 19.8 meter turn radius. All in the 177, the M102 vocal claims a 20.1 meter turn radius, so very similar. And then when you bump up length, they're keeping the shape the same, so the side cut radiuses both get longer. The M5 in the 184 length vocal claims 21.2, and in the Mantra 102, 21.4. So the side cuts match very closely to length across the two different waist widths. It is, it is worth noting that reportedly the Mantra 102 has a blended three radius side cut while the M5s is a single radius. I don't really know how much that matters at all, but worth noting, I guess. Also, Sam, minus 10 points for using turn radius and side cut radius as if they're synonyms. So that's another knock. So it's just oh, been a man. just been a disaster of a. I feel like I should just sign off right now. I know we probably <laughs> probably forever actually, but uh, <laughs> um, for those at home, don't be like Sam. A side cut, a ski has a set side cut radius. A ski can make a whole range of differently sized turn radii depending on how much you bend a ski or don't bend a ski into a turn which is why we would never do something like talk about the turn radius of a ski when stating side cut radius numbers. But obviously you knew that already, which is probably why you should be the third person on this podcast (laughs) rather than Sam. So uh, maybe next time, listener at home. Yes, I'm sure the average listener is very much as concerned as we are with how we phrase that. Yeah, they are. They are. They care care about this shit, Luke. Um. Another factor to point out is 
and then we will stop talking about the mantras, but being on that 177 centimeter vocal M5, not ever did it occur to me how stiff or strong the shovels felt, which I would say was a, uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see how stable those shovels felt on the Mantra 102. So I think that's a whole nother element that I, I just don't know. I mean, if the, if vocal bumped the stiffness of those shovels up in the 184 M5, then again, we are getting to a point where it's like, okay, the side cut radii are looking very similar. If that shovel stiffness is similar as well, now I suddenly would be, or not suddenly, but now after all like this incredibly long conversation, I would be more inclined to say like, yeah, they just feel like there's a slightly narrower one and a slightly wider one. But these are things that I still don't know. So, and, and Luke, hand flexing the skis against each other, because you actually did this, how do the flex patterns compare? They're about identical. Yeah. 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 At least in a hand flex. So, I don't know. Hopefully, I think the bottom line is we really want to try these skis in different lengths so we can stop having these hypothetical conversations. Yeah. But I think, I mean, one important note for the the four people that haven't turned off this conversation <laughs> yet is we all had a consensus that we would caution people that we're talking if we're talking broad population we think that most people should get on the 177 yes and strong physically strong skiers with good technique who tend to not say things like, wow, that one ski was just a little too stiff for me, or that one ski kind of kicked my ass. That is who we would be directing more toward the 184. Yep. I think we should get the 191 just for kicks. <laughs> yep. That ski scares me. Sam would be like, this is the quickest <laughs> ski with I've Most ever playful. been on. And I'm going to make Ellsworth and Luke drag out of me how I possibly arrived at this conclusion for like three days. So uh, yeah. looking forward to it. Should we actually talk about a playful ski now, Luke? Let's talk about a ski that might be the most opposite of the mantra 102 possible. Yeah. Um, the line vision 98 <laughs> in a 179, it is 1450 grams, which is Ooh. almost a thousand grams less than the mantra 102 and a 184. Um, but yeah, this is Line's new, part of the new Vision series. It's their, what they're calling very lightweight free ride skis. Um, we'd like to call them touring skis because uh, they are. Um, and I've been using it for a lot of uh, my stupid summer skiing trips. Um, and it's been awesome. It's really light. Um, we have it mounted with G3Zs. And unlike basically every other ski that falls into the same category in terms of being this size and this light, it has a minus six mount point. So you can ski it neutral, you can ski it forward, really versatile in that regard. It also has pretty deep rocker lines and a kind of semi-twin tail. And the result is a ski that's a lot more playful um, than all the other skis I've skied in this class. And I think like the Vision 108, which I love, um, it does feel pretty damp for its weight. 
but I mean, the ski is 1,450 grams. It's crazy light. I wouldn't ski it very much or at all in the resort, but I have absolutely loved it as a spring and summer um, touring ski. It's, it was just like the first trip I took it on um, was with fellow reviewer Drew Kelly. Um, we were skiing a peak right outside of Crested Butte, and it wasn't like crazy um, consequential or anything, but you didn't really want to lose your footing. And it was just super intuitive from the start, really fun to carve, easy to throw around. Um, I even skied switch on it, which I don't think I've ever skied switch on a ski mounted with G3Zs before, which was fun. Um, and if it didn't, I have it set up with leashes right now. If it had brakes, I would actually take it on some booter days or something. But I don't really love the idea of me tomahawking with two skis attached to my feet loosely. Um, but yeah, bottom line, really fun ski. Um, I think that's going to be my go-to spring and summer touring ski for a while. Yeah, definitely unique in the market. Um, nothing really like it out there right now. Sam, what else has been on your radar? Yeah, so this summer I've been getting out and uh, climbing a bunch. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about is carabiners recently. I actually just um, won in a contest a, a pack of Camp Nano 22s which are like these little tiny 22 gram wire gate carabiners, one of the lightest, one of the lightest full size carabiners on the market. Um, so I've been using them a bunch and, you know, I've, my, my rack is built up of tons of different carabiners. You know, I've got a bunch of black diamond neutrinos, a bunch of, you know, whatever random stuff. Uh, a lot of my rack is built up of camp orbit wires, um, which is a carabiner I've, I've, I've really liked and, and bought a lot of back in the day. But one thing that, using this little nano 22 beaner has reminded me of is how important carabiners are in just like the general the in like in your general day climbing especially trad climbing in comparison to to the orbit wire the nano 22 is a lot smaller um the gate opening on the nano 22 is only 21 millimeters versus the 27 millimeters of the orbit and I've been really surprised and happy with the design of the Nano 22, and I really appreciate the lightweight, and it's pretty easy to clip and things like that. But it can't, it, it isn't really like stacking up as far as the versatility of the orbit wire goes. You know, like when I get in a pinch, I can clove hitch into the orbit super easy, or, you know, I can fit two different, two different people on one, you know, if I have to tie off ropes into it or something like that, just because it, it does have that extra size. So, yeah, you, I mean, you do sacrifice a bit of weight. The orbit wire is 36 grams versus the nano's 22, so it's a, definitely a bit of weight. Um, but it's been nice having this kind of versatility in my rack, so I can put these nano 22s on pieces where I know that I'm not going to need to like mess around with a lot. And then on other things, you know, I have the orbits on my on on my harness when I need to maybe you know like finagle around or do some weird shit or whatever it might be. So my primary question is: You won these in a competition? Yeah, so I uh, I'm a bit of a trivia nerd. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. And about two months ago, the Colorado Mountain School here in Colorado sponsored one of the trivia nights we went to randomly, and so all the bonus questions from each round were like things about climbing in mountains, and I felt kind of bad because I got them all. <laughs> and <laughs> the last question, I don't remember what it was, but the prize was this rack pack of Nano 22s. So that's how I got them. Wow. Nice. And those things aren't cheap either. No, carabiners are expensive. Yeah. Do you have like a nerd team trivia name? 
Is it like? Uh, we change it every week. Oh, every week. What yeah. was it last week? Um, maybe not appropriate for this <laughs> podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that should be next week's title. Not appropriate <laughs> for this podcast. So if you do that, I'll like you more. It'll be the opening episode of Decently Edgy Vibes. Oh, no. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh, my God. We have some news about Decently Edgy Vibes, by the way, but I think we won't break it in this episode. But uh, just, yeah. Um, I don't even know if Sam... I don't even know, actually, if either of you know this news, but I'm not going to nope. break it now. So <laughs> moving on. Luke, you've been spending time recently in a ski boot. Tell us a bit about that boot. Yep. So I got the Del, the new for nineteen twenty Dalbello Lupo Pro HD, um, which, in addition to being a mouthful to pronounce, is kind of their patrol or fifty fifty boot um, that's new for this coming season. It's uh, not like super light. I think it's right around two thousand nineteen hundred grams for twenty six five. But it's got a walk mode, it's got a removable tongue, but unlike their other Lupo boots, um, it uses a PU shell instead of Gorillamid. Um, and the idea is that it's supposed to be a little bit more powerful and mostly more durable. Um, but for me, the thing that stood out was one, as I've mentioned before, I have weird feet and usually I'm in much wider boots. The Lupo Pro is a 98 millimeter last, but it is, I'd call it a very high volume 98 millimeter last. And then mostly it just, it skis well. Um, it like plenty of stiffness for me. I, I've actually been talking to Sam about trying a softer tongue. Um, Cause right now I, I really like how it skis, but I, I could use maybe a bit more forgiveness and um, like rough, really firm snow. Cause it's kind of harsh off the top sometimes. But um, yeah, I, and it also tours surprisingly well once the tongue is out. You do have to deal with tossing the tongue in your pack, but um, I found out a good solution is just sticking them uh, between my helmet and my backpack when the helmet's on the outside of my pack. And yeah, I think um, especially now that Scarpa is getting rid of the Freedom series, um, this like kind of resort backcountry slash like burly um, touring boot category has gotten a little bit smaller and the new Lupo Pro I think is a great option especially I know some people who have had issues with um, kind of busting through the other Lupos which are a lot lighter and use that Gorilla Mid shell so yeah I'm looking forward to spending more time in it I'm also interested in trying it with the beefier liner it comes stock with a, a definitely a nice liner that's formed well to my foot um, but I think I could use a bit more cushioning or, and a bit more stiffness, especially if I match it with a softer tongue. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's a very solid boot and I'm looking forward to putting more time on it once it snows again. Yeah. That boot is certainly, we've been asked a lot of questions about it and it's, I think garnered a lot of interest. Sam, a quick random review from you. Did you listen to Luke Coppa's episode of gear 30 yes i did uh your review uh you gave luke like a like a high 70s right 77 169.5 oh, right on <laughs> right 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 on the edge of a, of a c plus there uh i think overall luke did uh luke did real good i think it's uh it's hard to be it's hard to be on 
you know, like in the spotlight like that. So if I had to grade yeah, Luke, it's hard to rank your siblings. That was awesome. I think you did. You actually did really good at <laughs> you that. Did. that. You did. You crushed that question. Yeah, you you, I think you crushed that. They still haven't that. listened to it, so. But I'm I would give right. you a solid B plus. I think the C plus <laughs> is not representative of your actual performance. Well, thanks. Yeah, I think there was a bit of uh, subjectiveness to the scorer's perspective. Yeah. I like the idea that just no grade inflation here. It's like if if like in other words if that Can we curve it at the end. If no, like if that if that uh review of your personhood had taken place in like the 1830s, it still would have been a C plus, right? So it's this is a you can be proud. You are above average, and that is a good thing. So cool. yeah, um, Sam, I particularly wanted to know your response to the question of what Luke was better at than Sam Shaheen. <laughs> well, he is definitely right that he's better at writing than me. Um, what else did he say? Fishing? Yep. I think I said fishing. I'm sure you're better at fishing than me. I used to fish a lot, but I haven't fished in like 10 years, so I'm sure you would crush me um, he, at fishing. He did say that he thought you were better at Tinder, but I had a real <laughs> question there of whether you are far worse at Tinder than him. Tinder, Tinder is not really a skill. Tinder is a uh, way of a, life. A uh, pit of despair. <laughs> <laughs> I think I described it as he was more ambitious. Oh, that's right. You me. did. You did. Sam, would you describe yourself as an ambitious Tinder user? Um, maybe an optimistic one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, I yeah, recently haven't been Tindering all that much. Yeah, you're out. You're out. That was well done. Good random review of Luke. You are allowed a random review on another topic if you like, or we just move on. All right. I am going to have a very brief random review. I just moved into a new house and have to buy a ton of furniture. And all that I really want to say is that buying furniture is the worst because no stores actually have furniture anymore except for Ikea. So you have to buy all your furniture on the internet. And then you spend all this money and it comes to your house and you put it together and then you realize that you hate it and you have to take it all apart, put it back in a box and send it back to the internet place. And it is the worst. So I am very much not stoked on furniture at the moment, but I get a couch in the mail tomorrow. And even if it's terrible, I'm going to keep it because I just desperately need somewhere to sit in my house. We actually did pretty well at Blister HQ which which is actually a great story because Sam picked out a bunch of stuff and then I think I didn't go with any of the stuff he picked out. But I'm very happy. Is that true? Or I want to give credit where credit oh, is. Yeah, totally we, debated, we debated for like a week or two. Sam sent tons um, of options. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jonathan just picked the one he had picked a while ago. Yep, and I'm very happy with all of it. So you all are welcome to come by Blister HQ. Do send us a note first, though. That's super helpful. Um, there's been a lot of just walk-ins recently, and that doesn't that doesn't work so well with our uh, active lifestyles uh, and podcast schedules. It turns out, but uh, anyway, you should come see it. The furniture is great. Sam did not pick out any of it, uh, but he did put it together. But he did put it together very, very well. So yeah, credit where credit is due. Um, yeah, Sam, that sucks. Um, I'm sorry for your furniture pain. It's okay. Thanks for your sympathy. Yep. Um, I don't have a random review because I still have not gotten around to watching the Dead Alive film that 
we were supposed to watch like months ago now. I'm going to keep saying that I will get to it sometime. All of us, I think, actually still need to get to it. Um, but so I'm afraid I don't have a random review. So, Luke, we end with you. My random review, in case you haven't seen the millions of commercials about it, they released a new version of The Lion King. It is, I don't know what exactly they're calling it. They're calling it like digital live action or something. Basically, they took the same old movie that a lot of people love and then reanimated it um, and got new voice actors. And now it looks a lot, a lot more realistic. And I wasn't a huge fan. Um, I think and a few people I talked to are kind of split. You're also but, like a grown man. Yeah, but I'm like, I'm the target audience. Well, basically the target audience for this. They're just targeting people that saw the original and liked it and are feeling nostalgic about it. The nostalgia it. wave. Did you like yeah. put some white claws in your handbag and like <laughs> go in to see li like live? No, I think King? we had a few Coronas before we went to it though. See, but have you heard the Beyonce soundtrack? Uh, I think I heard, I haven't listened to it outside of it. Um, I just listened to the songs that were in it. Um, yeah, so go check it. It's called Lion King The Gift. It's basically like what Kendrick did for Black Panther, but Beyonce did it for The Lion King. It's pretty sweet. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm reviewing the movie, Sam. And the movie <laughs> was not as good as I expected. It turns out like when you make animals really realistic animals don't show a whole lot of emotion and so the whole thing felt kind of weird to me and emotionless whereas like the old animated version was super cartoony and they could just distort all the animals faces like crazy the new one felt kind of weird all the songs were really good the ones they just brought back the originals and it was cool to hear like donald glover was simba and beyonce was nala and John Oliver was the toucan, and um, I think Seth Rogen and Eric Andre were some of the hyenas or something, or something like that. But overall, I would be fine if Disney stops make, remaking these movies, especially the ones with all animals in them, and remaking them in this live-action style. Yeah, not, not a huge fan. That was a far more in-depth review than I thought we were going to get. Like, you put some work into that. <laughs> <laughs> like some thought. My favorite part of this, though, is when you one told me you saw it, and I was like, "You're like an adult. Why did it without young children? Why did you go see this?" And you're like, "Because my boy Arnie loves Disney movies." Shout <laughs> yeah, out to Arnie, just, right? We had just we went to see Toy Story four like the week or two before. <laughs> Let's be clear, Arnie's amazing. Like I'm very pro Team Arnie. And I just love that he's, you told me this, I guess, he's super into like Disney movies. Yeah. This is he's amazing. He's a big uh, How to Train Your Dragon fan. <laughs> a few of my friends are actually. We might oh, need man. to get Arnie on to like have him. I don't know the differences. Like, is it truly, is, are we talking studio specific? Like he's in on Disney, but not Pixar or something? No. I, he I just likes just kid movies. In on those movies. Okay. I don't know. These are yeah, called kid I think movies. How to Train Your Dragon. How to Train Your Dragon is an exception because that one's like not a remake, but he's been very like he went to see Aladdin, the remake they did, and Toy Story Four and The Lion King. I might need to just interview him about like why the why. <laughs> anyway, um, let's wrap on that. Next week, 
on Gear 30, I think we're going part three with Matt Manzer about ski boots and plastics and all of your questions for Matt. And uh, we'll be bringing some of those into the episode and asking him. Um, if you still have questions, you are welcome to either email me or drop comments into part one or part two of the episodes we did with Matt. But um, yeah, I think we're back on ski boots next week. And then I think after that, we might be having another episode of Sam's series on fabrics. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be sweet. Uh, Sam and Luke, thank you both. I will see you guys very soon, and we'll talk to the rest of you next week. All righty. Thank you. See ya. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Luke and Sam for the conversation, and thanks to Tribe Alpha for sponsoring this episode. Go to tribealpha.com slash gear to see how they can help you grow your e-commerce business and in the process get a 10% discount off their standard pricing when you go to tribealpha.com slash gear. I also want to thank Luke Alley for producing this episode and I want to thank you for listening. And if you are enjoying these Gear 30 episodes, please spread the word to your gearhead friends Please also be safe out there, and we will talk to you again next week when we should be running part three of our conversation with Atomic's Matt Manzer on ski boots. So if you haven't emailed us with your questions about ski boots, go ahead and do email us or leave a comment in one of the previous two episodes that we've already done with Matt, and uh, we'll see if we can't finally stop talking about ski boots after dedicating three entire episodes to the topic. All right, everybody, take care. Talk to you soon.